And welcome to 2022, uh, listeners of Favorite Things. Happy New Year. Happy New Year in February. Ah, is uh, it February? It's February when this is coming out. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are getting a jump on things because we wanted a break in recording, which we had. But we also wanted to build in a little bit of time if anything comes up and yeah. we want to be able to take a week off or do something else. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this will be news to you, hon, um, as well as our listeners. But okay. I do have a game plan for this year. Okay. Uh, in what we're going to record, talk about uh, our mini-series as far as entertainment properties and the like. Um, I've had some ideas about things I would love for us to watch, uh, talk about, things like that. And I've decided the simplest way to do it is to take things uh, in small, relatively easily consumed bites okay uh just the same way as you eat an elephant one bite at a time <laughs> uh we are going to take our content one bite at a time so now we don't eat elephants just in we, case that needs to be we do not uh so <laughs> what that means podcast listeners is that we are going to be uh taking movies in short uh easily digestible chunks um that means rather than watching and reviewing all of the star wars movies we'll watch one trilogy or we'll watch a one-off or uh in the event of movies like the star trek films we'll watch uh those films in release order with the original crew, that's no more than six. Uh, the Next Generation crew, that's four. And then the reboot movies, that's three. We're going to take things one bit at a time. Okay. And we're going to take them how we want to take them. So I'm not giving any release order now except for what we're currently watching. Uh, but just letting you know that we will be taking this one little bit at a time rather than doing all 375 Marvel movies. Um, <laughs> this will also give us the opportunity to do an episode on uh, either a half season or a season of television. Yeah. We're going to be able to do things a little bit leaner uh, rather than doing 20, uh, 25 Bond films or uh innumerable other franchises we're gonna take small chunks um and it being february and not knowing what the newest uh covid variants as of january are going to bring our way already movies that were due to be released this month are being punted into april um we are going to take things one step at a time as we want. And what that means for today is you are listening to our episode about X-Men First Class. Now, why didn't we watch X-Men from the year 2000? Honestly, uh, I wanted to watch X-Men First Class more. <laughs> uh, the original... Uh, 
three X-Men films are enjoyable. They're fun. Uh, I didn't really feel like trotting, uh, trudging through three pre-MCU superhero movies right now. Uh, at another time, I, I will at some point just for the uh, history behind them. Uh, my wife has a cat at gunpoint and by gunpoint, I mean spray nozzle, uh, because the cat's not doing what my wife wants. Uh, if, if you sensed any, any more awkwardness in, in the silence, uh, that's what was going on. Right, she's about to jump at a phone or a charger that's hanging out and yeah. It's okay. It's supposed to be out of her reach, but you know. So, uh, Betsy, uh, was told about 15, 20 minutes into this movie that we were going to do a podcast on yeah. it. And she's like, well, I'm not really paying that much attention. And as I stated to her afterwards, uh, if your phone is anywhere near you, how is that different than any other movie we watch? Yes. Um, so uh, if you're worried that Betsy didn't uh, pay enough attention to this film, uh, when we release this episode in a few weeks, um, it'll be right now for you. Uh, I want you to message Betsy however you have access to her and just let her know she needs to rewatch the movie on her own spare time. Um, and just really, just really agitate her and make make it to where she has to do a summation in the next uh in the next episode we record in February, which will be a whole new movie franchise at that point. Uh, no, about X-Men First Class. It may not happen, but people might bother you about it. So, I think they do. I'll be like, sorry. I just, you know. <laughs> listeners, I want you to know she has been known to cave to peer pressure. I just want you to know to just, just gently, subtly, just, just twist the knife. Yeah. Just like, uh, it could be anything like give us a recap or just put the phone down, Betsy. Anything <laughs> like that. So, uh, yes, today we are talking about X-Men First Class, released in 2011. Uh, m a good way into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe experiment. Uh, and it is really, uh, from the X-Men films that Fox released, it is the first modern feeling film. Uh, the first three movies were released in 2000, 2003, and 2006. Um, there are things that are very enjoyable about them. They broke a lot of ground for superhero films, um, especially for team superhero films. But uh, going back and re-watching them is a little bit harder in a modern context. Uh, watching this film is very easy for me. Uh, it is... Um, a number of things. Uh, the cast has amazing chemistry. Uh, the concept, it takes place in the 1960s. One of my favorite requests I like to put out into the ether is that the next James Bond film take place in the 1960s. Um, you've got a phenomenal director uh, in Matthew Vaughn. You've got a score uh, by Henry Jackman who uh, has done scores for other superhero films like Captain America Winter Soldier uh, or uh, the Captain America, or not Captain America, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, he's also done video game uh, scores and, and the like. Uh, you've got... 
you've got all the makings for a soft reboot. Um, the the last two X-Men films before this, X-Men Last Stand and X-Men Origins Wolverine, were very badly received uh, critically. They made a ton of money, uh, but they made a ton of money in the absence of other superhero films. In 2006, the only competition superhero-wise was Superman Returns, which is a movie that I adore. Mm -hmm. It is boring. Yeah. Um, in 2009, the only other superhero film released... Uh, with X-Men Origins Wolverine was Watchmen, an R-rated, slow, methodical superhero film that if you were old enough to see an R-rated movie, great. If not, your only choice was X-Men Origins Wolverine. And well, you were better off seeing Star Trek the reboot. <laughs> um, and the X-Men franchise is rich in characters and stories uh, the first comic books came out in the 1960s they have been around for a while so there is a rich history to pull from just the same as spider-man has been going since 2002 the uh film wise the x-men film franchise has been going since 2000 and could run just as long mm -hmm. however <laughs> um the x-men film franchise was feeling kind of stale it needed to go somewhere. I was telling you right before I started recording that um, this film is actually made from the remnants of another film. Yeah. Uh, originally, after X-Men The Last Stand, the idea was to do a series of X-Men spinoff films and one-offs uh, that might eventually revitalize interest and lead back into the X-Men doing proper team films again. Now, the first film that they did was X-Men Origins Wolverine, a movie that is not good. Um, at some point, we'll rewatch it as a so bad it's good uh, type movie, um, but it, it makes a lot of mistakes. The biggest mistake being that the first three X-Men movies all focus on Wolverine, and so calling this a solo Wolverine movie is kind of... Well, not great. Also, it doesn't solely focus on Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, and before anyone gets too mad at me, I adore Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I also adore Hugh Jackman just as an actor and person. He seems like a really lovely dude. <laughs> and as I said before, uh, he'll be in our public consciousness until we find out he's a pervert or he murders someone. <laughs> um... Or both. And so... Hopefully neither. <laughs> hopefully neither. He, se he seems like an absolutely lovely gentleman. I enjoy following him on social media. I'm hoping that the music man gets to get back on track and, yeah. uh, and get rolling because that's a musical I love and I enjoy Hugh Jackman. Back to X-Men. <laughs> um, so X-Men Origins comes out, and the idea is you're going to take these X-Men characters, you're going to pull them out of the standard X-Men uh, formula, and you're going to tell stories of how they began, and maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive and do more justice to these characters. In the first X-Men movie alone, you're talking about, let's see here, Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Professor X... Magneto, Mystique, Toad, Sabretooth, and I think that's all as far as 
mutant... Oh, right. Uh, you've got all of these ten characters going through these movies, and really the only two you get to focus on in X-Men 1 is Wolverine and Rogue. In X-Men 2, you get to focus on uh, Wolverine and a little bit on... Uh, honestly, everyone else. It's kind of like Wolverine and everyone else. And then in X-Men 3, you get to focus on way too much, which is why it's not a great movie. X-Men Origins comes out, and it's the Wolverine story of how he got his powers. Even though we got that in X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. Um, so, the idea was the spinoff series, the first two were basically written, and ready to go, out the door, here we go. And they are X-Men Origins Wolverine and X-Men Origins Magneto. These are the two movies that they're going to make. Uh, the X-Men Origins Wolverine is a story about how uh, Wolverine is a timeless warrior. And he, since the era of the Civil War up to the modern day, has been fighting all of his life. And it's only in the most recent era that he has really come into who he was meant to be. Great idea. The movie doesn't live up to that premise. <laughs> has some really neat stuff. Eventually when we talk about it, We'll get into it. But uh, commercially, makes plenty of money. Critically, it, it bombs. It's dumb. They're sitting there holding the bag with this uh, X-Men Origins Magneto now. And they're like, if the biggest character from the biggest franchise couldn't make this, what are we going to do? And so they're sitting there holding the bag. They've got to figure out what to do. So... The, the premise for X-Men Origins uh, Magneto is based on the brief origin we get in the original X-Men film. Magneto is uh, a Holocaust survivor who um, got out and the experiences of the Holocaust basically militarized him to the point that no one would ever oppress his group of people ever again and that people being mutants he will not let that happen and so that drives him and that's an interesting concept and conflict and so x-men origins magneto was going to be the story of a young magneto hunting down nazis and discovering his mutant abilities amazing concept based on this movie that would have been a phenomenal film rolled into this it somehow sweetens the pot um, as much as I would love to see two straight hours focused on Michael Fassbender as Magneto and I think that would be just magnificent uh, <laughs> this this film is uh, a traditional X-Men story but it's told as an origin for Magneto and Professor X it's um Everyone else kind of fills in the gaps, but this is really Professor X and Magneto's story. And this does that really, really, really well. Um, before I get too much deeper into my opinions on this, what you were paying attention to it, <laughs> what did you get out of it? What did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? Um, I have no idea. I'm like, I've... I try to pay attention, but I feel like the X-Men is just not one of my things. 
That's okay. And that's, uh, you know, I did, there was, there are parts like with the, I can't even think of their names, because, um, what's her name, the blue girl? Mystique. Mystique, that's her name. Um, like when, uh, Beast, is that what they call him? Yes. He, uh, when he made the, the antidote. Antidote. Yes. Uh, um, in case it, uh, in case it wasn't obvious with all of our other podcasts, we're going to be full spoilers on this yeah. podcast. So I mean, if like if, <laughs> if you, it is a movie that is now twelve, uh, eleven, almost twelve years yeah. old. Uh, if if you are um, worried about spoilers, just turn us off. Watch it on Disney Plus or on DVD, Blu-ray, or local cable. And then come back and listen to us. All right. Beast and Mystique okay. talking about so the... He has the antidote to make them look the way they want to look instead yes. of the, the people, the, with the monster within, whatever. Um, I don't know, just like her, like she was talking to the other guy and he was telling her she was beautiful. Which other guy? Um, not... Professor X, but the other guy. The other... That was working with Professor what, what, X. What are his powers? He's pulling metal. What else pulls metal? Magnet? Magneto? Yeah! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Magneto. I sorry. I, you can tell I was paying so much attention to the other names. Yes. Um, Magneto. Uh, he, uh... You know, he was telling her that she's beautiful in her true form. Yes. But then as she was talking to Beast, whom she seemed to have had a crush on. Yes. To be fair, she has a crush on on every attractive man in this movie. That's what I was starting to notice. Um, But she she seemed to really be drawn to him. Yes. But then he told her she's only beautiful when she's the pretty blonde. Yeah, when she's Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. And which you could see the crushing weight of that on her because you could tell she really wanted to be who she was supposed to be. Yeah, it's like a boy telling a girl, you only look pretty when you're made up this particular way. Right. But then when she goes and talks to Magneto a few minutes later and she's in this pretty blonde thing and he he says about her like being too young or something. Yes. And then she becomes... Rebecca Romaine. Rebecca Romaine. Mystique from the original three X-Men films. And he said no. The true Yes. Um, Mystique. And so when she let her true colors come out. Great meme by the way. <laughs> when she let her true colors come out it was a uh, you know he's like that. He's like now you're truly beautiful. And that, that just kind of stood out to me is like mm-hmm. you know I don't know she was that's probably one of the few places I really paid attention. It's okay. It's dramatically, it's a great out of out of the myriad of, of conflicts and and plot threads in this film. That is one of the standout points, and yeah. it's a great scene. Yeah, it's a great scene between between two great actors, uh, Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence, and it is the concept of okay, I can fit in. And, and be socially acceptable, but I'm hiding. I'm hiding the real me. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a clunky metaphor, but yeah, I feel if like we all we all tend to do that, and it's like be yourself. And... Well, it's it's this idea of 
there, there are times to fit in, but there's also time that you need to not, and you can't always be hiding. And, and that's, I think that's what Magneto is, is trying to say. And, and the concept of mutant and proud of not, not hiding. That's, that's an important conflict in this movie. And it's interesting how obsessed uh, Beast, uh, Hank McCoy, is with looking normal when all he needs to do is put on a decent pair of shoes. Right. And and he's worried about being viewed as a freak. Yeah. While Mystique literally looks alien and he's saying these things to her even though he is mostly talking about himself yeah. as most of us self-centered humans do mm-hmm. what he's saying is hurting her right and and that's it's an interesting dynamic yes. this this movie plays out uh, dialogue acting and action wise much better than the previous yeah. X-Men films. I just, and it's great acting too, in a way, like where you see his words crushing her. Like you can yes. see it, the more he's speaking, the more. So this movie has multiple Academy Award nominees and I think a couple of winter, winners, but uh, you've got James McAvoy, you've got Michael Fassbender, you've got Nicholas Holt, Jennifer Lawrence, you've got... Uh, going down, going down the lines of everyone. You've got Oliver Platt. You've got um, some actors who aren't as uh, noted, um, like uh, I believe it's Lucas Till and uh, Jason Fleming. Uh, Jason Fleming, who uh, I guarantee you, if I showed you a picture of him, you wouldn't know who he was in the movie. Um, <laughs> But a fantastic ensemble of, of actors in this. And it makes for a really, really, really good period piece uh, superhero movie. It's interesting. The other period piece superhero movie that I think of outside of the X-Men franchise uh, also came out this year. Do you know what it is? No. Captain America, the First Avenger. Took place in World War II. Oh, okay. But same year, actually within two months. Um, and uh, at some point this year, we will do phase one of Marvel, uh, yeah. the first six movies. Um, but there is something about setting comic book movies in a particular point in time that makes them more heightened. And... Um, adding things on top of this movie like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. Uh, the fact that right around this time you're talking about early civil rights. Um, you're talking about things that most people aren't... You're, you're, able to, you're able to connect these metaphorical messages with real world issues at the time. Uh, war between people groups just because they don't understand each other. Uh, you've got uh, even things like uh, conspiracy the- uh, conspiracy theories like the uh, the boys of Brazil, um, where Nazis apparently uh, migrated to South America after World War II. 
uh, to get away from uh, being prosecuted, things like that. Um, this this movie is one I really enjoy. Uh, in, okay. in summation. I'm glad uh, you enjoy it. So, uh, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll hit the high points of the plot. Maybe not beat for beat, but we'll hit the high points. And uh, we'll see you in just a moment. Okay, uh, while we were on break, uh, I started playing the game uh, with Betsy. Uh, guess uh, Jason Fleming in uh, the movie that I know you've seen Jason Fleming in. Uh, she was not able to pick him out of this uh, film. I'm pulling up his IMDb on another device so that we can record uninhibited. Uh, but uh, we got to Matthew Vaughn's other uh Jason Fleming movie that I know Betsy has seen. It is one of one of her favorites, Stardust from 2007, and she is trying to figure out who Jason Fleming is in this movie. And her guess was the the boyfriend that went to was it Ipswich or something to get a ring. Ipswich. Ipswich. I'm like I'm getting that wrong. I knew that. And I informed Betsy that that individual is none other than Superman himself, Henry Cavill. What? Yes. Give oh me. Oh my word. Give me I, just a moment to pull up the picture. I have um, no idea. But uh, old Superman or Jerry Rivia from The Witcher uh, is. Uh, let me see. Sorry, I'm a slow touchscreen typist. I'm much faster with an actual keyboard. Uh, but yes, here he is, Henry Cavill in Stardust. Oh my word. Yes, he is a dandy. Um, that's too good. That is too good. Uh, all right, so now that you know it's not him because he is significantly older than Henry Cavill, how... Is he one of the, um, the Ghost Brothers? He is. Okay. Do you know which? Because by the end, all of them are ghosts. Yes. Um, one of the last two, I can't think of which. So, let me see here. I'm trying to think. So, Septimus is the last. And was he the one in the tub that died in the tub? Yes, Jason Fleming is Primus, the brother who dies in the okay, tub. Cool. I got it. After ample chances. Process of elimination. But yes. And I had a 50. I'm like, I thought it might have been one of those two, and I figured, okay, you got right. 50%. Now I've got to get back to that point. There is a movie that came out the year after that uh, that we actually saw in theaters. Um, and what was that film? 2007 to 2008. 2008. I don't remember all the movies we've seen in theaters. I was about to give you the title. Uh, the movie is uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, okay. A movie I enjoy a great, movie. A, a great deal. Um, who is he in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? I can't even start the process on that one. He is... Benjamin's father. Oh, 
okay. Yes. That's probably why doing, he was only in it for such a short time. Yes, doing a great uh, New Orleans yeah. accent. Uh, makeup in that movie is phenomenal. Uh, if, if you're looking for a good tearjerker, watch Curious Case of Benjamin <laughs> Button. All right, going through, looking for more movies. Um, let's see here. Nope, 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 nope. I've seen a couple of these. I know you haven't. Nope, nope, nope. That might, this might be the most recent thing you've seen. Him in just verifying. And yeah, that is the most recent thing that you have seen Jason Fleming in. Uh, oddly enough, he is in that really mediocre-looking spy movie that just came out. Um, the 355. Yeah. Um, a movie that, by now, uh, the week this is releasing, first week of February, if it is not available on demand, I will be astonished. <laughs> I will be astonished if it is not available by the time this goes uh, on the internet. Um, <laughs> it's like getting torn apart in the reviews, isn't it? it? It's being called the most mediocre movie <laughs> in in a while. I'm like, either one really good movie or a really bad movie that's so bad it's good. I The problem I, I had with the movie's advertising is it looks like... It looked like a fake movie on the TV and in a TV show. Yeah. It didn't look like a real movie. Like, it looks like one of the movie trailers from the movie The Holiday. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oddly enough, Cameron Diaz in that movie, weird tangent to go on, I know, but hear me out. It'll be a while before we get around to The Holiday. Stick around for one of our Christmas episodes, I'm sure. Um, But... Cameron Diaz is a trailer editor who lives in the biggest mansion in Los Angeles. Just cutting movie trailers. That's it. That's all my commentary on it for right now. But just, I thought that was funny. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, sorry if you were hoping to actually be into the plot by now. This was a nice deviation. We're going to take a brief break just because this was a nice deviation and then we'll be back with the plot. All right. And now the movie proper. Sorry, I know that was like 30 minutes of trailers before every movie. <laughs> if you go to AMC, just know that the showtime is actually when the trailers are starting. The movie doesn't start until 30 minutes after that. Just a little tip. And, Anyhow, and if you're at AMC, you have to get through the Nicole Kidman. Oh, the Nicole Kidman. Uh, we've been doing movies for yeah. 100 years. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Uh, maybe it's 2022 now. Maybe she's not doing it. Why are we doing our own version of it? We are literally this moment doing our own version of it. I was about to start the movie and then we were like, oh, wait, we forgot the Nicole Kidman clip. Good night. Why did we do that? I don't know. I did that. That's my bad. I am so sorry, guys. I think Nicole Kidman does that at AMC. I think she shows up and she's like, you didn't put my clip in. She's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Kidman. And then the movie starts. All right. So, um... This movie starts as, uh, as a great number of uh, 1994 Steven Spielberg uh, film start at Auschwitz. Um, 
So uh, this movie actually does a really good job of duplicating the look and feel of the opening scene of the 2000 uh, film X-Men. Um, with Eric Lyncher being uh, taken from his family, separated at the gates of Auschwitz, uh, and in the process discovering his mutant abilities. And it's not the same scene. They use a lot of the same... Uh, the same type props they even use a couple of shots from the original film but it's all new actors um it's really really well done uh especially in the original film it's it is definitely an attention grabber um the movie then uh introduces us to its villain uh played by none other than kevin bacon uh sebastian shaw um a character whose origins in the comics are weird um in this they never really get into his origins but the thing i want to tell you as someone who's been reading x-men comics since he was four or five um if you're worried about comic accuracy pick up any of 35 different issues and you'll get a different version <laughs> just giving you a heads up uh for nearly 50 years uh Iceman Bobby Drake not in this film uh was a hormonally charged just revved up all about girls and now he is gay so just giving you a heads up comic books change origins change it's just it's how they go um all right, I haven't talked this long in over a month, so <laughs> getting a dry throat. Um, we are introduced to Sebastian Shaw. He's an older scientist type at the start of the movie. Um, just a hint, that's not how he stays. Um, but he pulls Eric in. He's like, hey, saw your powers, really love what you did. Um, hey, why don't you have some chocolate? And Eric's like, I want my mom. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I guess we're going to have to bring your mom in then, huh? And brings his mom in, threatens uh, to kill her. And when Eric can't use his powers, he kills his mom. Hmm. Which causes Eric to be able to use his powers. And he promptly kills two Nazi soldiers, shakes the entire uh, place. And that's his introduction. In the meantime, we also meet Charles Xavier and... Raven Darkholm, who is Mystique, uh, as children. Uh, Charles takes Mystique into his home to be his adopted sister. Not for us. It is okay. Uh, I don't think we're due a delivery till Monday. Um, so, we're introduced to the three leads of this film in the opening, I want to say, five, ten minutes. And they are Charles Xavier, Raven Darkholm, and Eric Lyncher, um, Professor X, Mystique, and Magneto. Mm -hmm. Right at the top, you have your good guy, conflicted person, eventually going to be a bad guy. Um, we get into the movie proper. Professor X is not quite a professor yet, but he's a grad student in uh, Oxford. Uh, Mystique, we're just going to call her Mystique because it's easier than saying Raven all the time, <laughs> is uh, 
pretending to be a normal young blonde uh, human. Uh, Professor X is using his power and his knowledge of mutations to pick up women. Um, the 60s setting is in full blast. Uh, and uh, we're introduced to Michael Fassbender, who is amazing in this role. Um, just honestly, uh, now that Disney owns Fox and X-Men, I'm kind of hoping Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy come back as <laughs> Professor X and uh, Magneto. Uh, they'll probably cast different actors. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I would love to see them come back in much similar way to spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home, a two-month-old movie, yeah. the way they brought back old actors for that. Yeah. So, um, Magneto's hunting Nazis. Mystique is pining after Professor X. Uh, professor X is trying to pick up women and finish actually becoming a professor. Oh, he drove into our ditch. That's why. Oh, lovely. Anyhow, <laughs> there he goes. He's got the. There's snow on the ground currently. That's why. Yes, if you remember the first snow of 2022, uh, that's when we're recording. Yes. Um. So, trying not to lose my spot. Uh, all right. We've, we're also introduced to Moira McTaggart, who is a CIA agent. Uh, Moira stumbles upon uh, Sebastian Shaw, now looking much younger, uh, much more fit, um, and he's manipulating the U.S. government. And uh, this is the 1960s... Uh, we hop around everywhere from London to Las Vegas to New York to uh, Langley CIA headquarters. Eventually, uh, Professor X uh, is brought in by Moira, who discovers that mutants are behind everything. And we go uh, to where Professor X is working with the CIA. Um, once Professor X is working with the CIA, they go to hunt down uh, Sebastian Shaw. Uh, Magneto is also hunting Sebastian Shaw. And in a scene in Argentina where he goes to a bar to uh, find out where he is, we get one of the most brutal, awesome action scenes where he proceeds to kill three Nazis in, a, uh, in an Argentinian bar. Um, <laughs> A whole movie of him hunting down Nazis, I would have been okay with. Um, but its place in this movie really kind of lends a lot of gravitas to his character. Um, so he finds out from Argentina that Shaw is um, going to be in Miami. At the same time, the CIA and Charles Xavier are going to Miami to hunt down Shaw. They all end up in the same place at the same time, hunting the same guy. Um, they're able to destroy part of Shaw's boat, but he gets away. And in the process, they join up and discover that they're going to be best friends. Uh, <laughs> Professor X and Magneto, best of buddies, always and, and forever. Never going to fall apart at all. Uh, 
They then go team up with the CIA, meet a contractor uh, named Hank McCoy, who's a mutant. We will call him Beast because that's his code name. You okay? Yeah, sorry, cat hair. Stuck at my nose. Are you sure it wasn't just a really long nose hair? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll call it a cat hair. Wink. <laughs> Wink. Well, I got this cat on my lap and all the fur just hit my face. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. Wink. Alright. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Professor X, Magneto, Beast, Mystique... Uh, decide, hey, we've got to go after this guy, but if we're going to go after him, we are going to need a team. And so we get a montage. I love a good montage. This movie has two. Both of them are great. I don't care what you say. They're both awesome. Uh, the first one is Hunting Down the Mutants, where we meet Angel, played by our soon-to-be Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, we meet a bunch of other no-name actors who are not no-names, but they're um, great supporting actors in most of the things they're in. Uh, unless you're talking about MacGyver, in which case he's just MacGyver. Uh, <laughs> and because I can't remember his name besides Lucas, we'll call him MacGyver. Uh, <laughs> we do have a loose connection through friend of the show, uh, Bobby, and... Uh, <laughs> Lucas, if you're listening, I love you as MacGyver. Uh, I'm sorry about your time on the X-Men films. It's not your best work. Anyhow, moving on. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I just, I'm throwing shade at this guy who's a multi-millionaire and a very talented actor. That's yeah. uh, what us internet critics do we just tear down other people for our own amusement <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> just wanted to let that one sit with you for a minute um so <laughs> this uh this montage is really great we're introduced to all of the uh all of the soon-to-be students for xavier uh they're brought into the cia headquarters um and it's at this point that they're trying to figure out where Shaw is. They're going to go after him. They know that he's doing something with the Russians. Interesting note, uh, watching this movie, I noticed very quickly, uh, there are two scenes that are kind of swapped. They're flip-flopped. Um, and I will tell you what they are momentarily. Uh, first of all, how did they know that Shaw was doing anything with the Soviets? It's a scene that comes much long after they've already resolved that part of the plot. Uh, so, uh, they discover that he's working with the Soviets. They go to Russia. Um, before they're going to go to Russia, they stop to check in on the kids, all on the campus of the CIA, and they are partying in their powers. And oh, yeah, I basically, they get, basically, they get grounded. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything's destroyed, including the statue outside. So, this is a fun note. Uh, other people have uh, talked about this before, but I want to mention it just because um, I think it is important to the story of X-Men. When X-Men was uh, first created in the 1960s and throughout its run in the 1970s, 
80s and very early 90s, the best X-Men stories were typically those where the X-Men were students or previous students became teachers of new students. So it's always a story about school. It is a story about um, people learning to come to grips with their talents and abilities. And so the original story is about Professor X has a class of uh, four or five. It's Cyclops, Beast, Angel, Iceman, and Marvel Girl. And the series runs for about 60-ish issues, and it stinks. And... <laughs> Uh, it doesn't stink, stink. It's it just it runs out of gas really quickly, and so after issue seventy seventy five, uh, they start running reruns, and it's quietly canceled. Then it's rebooted in nineteen seventy five uh, with Giant Size X Men number one, and then the book is relaunched continues on and ran steady uh, rebranding as Uncanny X-Men in 1990 until 2011. So from 1975 to 2011, book ran uninterrupted. Um, all of that time, best stories, students growing up, and so it's a lot of teenage stories. Stories about, or early 20s. It's being a young person. And thinking back, as straight-laced as we were, I'm not asking you to tell stories. Okay. If you want to, raise your hand for me, just so I can give you space. Tell, oh, don't tell, unless you want to. Um, think of as straight-laced as we were. We were quote-unquote good kids. Yeah. And what that means for me is I was really good at framing my brother. And <laughs> Andy, if you're hearing this, I am so sorry, man. You took so much crap that was on me. And honestly, I feel bad, but I'm glad I got away with it. Um, <laughs> but being a teenager and even early 20s, there's so much dumb stuff you say and do. And there's something quintessentially adolescent about a bunch of teenagers getting together and ruining a room. Yeah. Um, and then getting grounded for it. <laughs> and I love that in this movie. So the grown-ups go on a mission to take down the Soviets, take down Emma Frost in the process, uh, discover that... Uh, that Sebastian Shaw's big plan is to go after Cuba. Here's where I'll tell you that things are out of order. Okay. About three scenes from now, you will see what the professor sees in the Russian's head, or in Emma Frost's head, yeah. and the Russian's head. Him doing the display of, here's the missiles we're going to put in Cuba. Yeah, that scene's out of order. Okay. <laughs> nice. So, uh, while the Professor and Magneto and Moira are all on this mission in Russia, 
uh, Sebastian Shaw goes to the CIA headquarters, goes in and wipes everyone out. Uh, everyone except the mutants and extends an invitation. Hey, we're about to be the master race. Uh, come with us. We're gonna we're gonna rule over all of these humans. And uh, Angel, because she just watched all of the CIA get murdered, um, and because she, I'm guessing, just doesn't like uh, humans that much, joins up with Sebastian's crew. Um, Darwin, uh, the sole uh, black character in this film, <laughs> um, dies horribly. Um, Trying to stop her. Yes. Uh, the uh, the guy uh, playing playing the role, I've, I've got to pull up his name really quick. I have yet to see a movie or TV series that he is in that he does not die by the end of the film. Uh, I was recently watching him in The Harder They Fall, and he makes it most of the way through <laughs> and then dies. And I was so, so, so upset because uh, he's actually one of the characters you, you hope's going to make it. You, uh, Eddie, get, it's either Eddie or Edie Gethi, Gethigi or Gethagi. Uh, he is African. Um, he's a really good actor. No, he's a phenomenal actor. He's great in this. Um, he's great in the fifth season of Justified. He is great uh, in The Harder They Fall. Uh, the Harder They Fall, phenomenal western um, on Netflix. Um, I literally one of the reasons I got Netflix for the month of November. <laughs> um, but. Anyhow, uh, Shaw gets away, CIA is decimated, it's, it's the second act break. The heroes need to be at their lowest moment. They've literally just watched one of their friends killed, their device that they were using to track down other mutants is gone, uh, blown up, and war is about to start. And that's where we're going to take our second act break. And when we come back, we will talk about the conclusion of X-Men First Class. All right, and we're back. So the, the mutants, uh, Professor X's mutants have to, because at this point they're not the X-Men yet, um, have to join together, figure out how they're going to take Shaw down uh, conveniently, uh, as in most great superhero television, the uh, film, sorry, superhero film. <laughs> the television tells them exactly what they need to know. Uh John F. Kennedy comes on the television and talks about the blockade at Cuba. Um, one of my favorite films uh, growing up was 13 Days, about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Great Kevin Costner film. Um, but this gives a fictionalized superhero telling of it, and I, I really like... 
I like this this tying in of, of history and pop culture. So we get our second montage, training montage, uh, where all of the mutants are learning how to use their abilities. Uh, Professor X and Magneto teach Banshee how to fly by attempting to murder him. Uh, they teach uh, Beast how to run without shoes on. Uh, they teach uh, Mystique that she can lift weights if she's not changing form. And they teach uh, Magneto to move stuff by not being uh, pissed off all the time. Um, I learned a long time ago that I work equally well pissed off and non-pissed off. So that place between uh, rage and serenity is just called hungry. So, when you work hungry, you can use your full power. Anyhow, um, <laughs> sorry, it's a beautiful moment in the film. He remembers a time with his mother when they're celebrating Hanukkah together. I tear up a little bit watching it in the movie. I'm making light of it uh, as I move through. Um, so, they join up after the training uh, is when uh, Mystique tries to seduce... First, she attempts to seduce Hank. Mm -hmm. um, and he crushes her. And he treats her poorly. Um, and then she tries to seduce Magneto. Like I said before, she's crushing on every just attractive yeah. male. Um, and we get the great meme of it. I like the real Mystique. I said the real Mystique perfection. Yeah. Um, you, you can find that meme anywhere. Um, but it's a great scene because she's trying to be what Magneto wants her to be or what she thinks Magneto wants her to be. And he's like, I, first of all, you're a little young, maybe in a few years. Secondly, be the real you. And it's, it's a growing moment for her. And it brings her into conflict with Charles Xavier. She goes and talks to Charles and she she's ready to fight with him because she's always tried to be what she thinks Charles wants her to be. And it's this push and pull between the guy she's always known and the guy she kind of wants to be with, but she doesn't know she doesn't know who she wants to be. And the thing I like in this movie is the great pull isn't really a romantic one, although she wants it to be. The great pull for Mystique is her as a person and or as a mutant is is figuring out, hey, I, I want to be me. And so uh, that night, uh, Beast, uh, thinking that he's a freak, just having really weird feet, um, uses a serum and becomes a monster um, or a beast as as he is known um, they all dress up in uniforms that are very close to the original X-Men outfits from the original run in the 60s um, as I explained to Betsy uh, the yellow on their costumes is Kevlar uh, Kevlar used to have a yellowish color um, so they go to the uh, they go to the blockade at Cuba, um, get some awesome super heroics, a really good fight scene. Uh, 
Sebastian Shaw after his original plan of the missiles running the blockade and starting World War III is uh, is thrown away. He decides that he's going to absorb all the nuclear power in the submarine and he himself will make an explosion. And while all the superheroes are fighting, uh, Magneto goes in after Shaw. Uh, Shaw has this really cool helmet that's really Magneto's helmet, um, but it blocks uh, Charles Xavier's mind control. Magneto gets the helmet off of him and then immediately puts it on so Charles can't stop him and proceeds to use the coin uh, that Shaw wanted him to move as a child to murder Shaw in one of the most visceral scenes around. Um, but perfectly filmed. Mm -hmm. Perfectly filmed. Um, and the fight's over. Shaw's dead. Except it's not. Uh, Magneto gets onto the beach. The fight's over between mutants. And he says, look, Shaw's dead. We're done fighting each other. No more. Look out there. They're turning their guns on us even as we speak. It's us versus them. Charles is like, no, we've got to be the better people. Army and the Soviets fire their guns at the beach. Magneto catches all the missiles and shells midair, turns them around, and launches them back at the fleet. Professor X and Magneto fight. Eventually, the missiles and shells fall into the water. Um, and at this point, Moira draws her gun and starts shooting at Magneto. Well, that doesn't bother Magneto a bit because bullets are made of metal. And he just pops them away, except he forgets that an object in motion remains in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. And the outside force is Charles Xavier's spine. He is hit by one of the bullets. This stops the fight. He pulls the bullet out. And there is a parting of the ways. And um, Mystique goes with Magneto. Um teleports away with Azazel, played by Jason Fleming, um, and the end of this movie is Professor X removing the memories of his mansion from Moira's memory. Um, and we get to see Magneto in a red outfit that doesn't look great. Uh, <laughs> but that's X-Men First Class. It's a very different X-Men movie than what came before it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's not the best of these uh, modern X-Men movies. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to talking about the next three. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, X-Men Apoco Apocalypse, and uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Which is a really, really long title. Um, and um, this one is really unique. I love Matthew Vaughn's point of view. He has a great feel for earnestness and humor and the absurd. Um, Stardust is a phenomenal movie. Mm -hmm. uh, the Kingsman movies are a lot of fun uh, in an R-rated comic, uh, comic book feel. Um, he has a great, a great point of view. Um, 
and I'm I'm sad he didn't get to make the next film. The next film is probably my favorite X-Men film, Days of Future Past. Look forward to that next week. Um, but um, this one is a very interesting movie. Uh, the fact that Hugh Jackman only pops up as Wolverine for a single line um, shows the strength of the X-Men franchise with or without Wolverine. Um, the next film, uh, Wolverine plays a much larger role. Um, I look forward to it. Um, this one, I really enjoy it. This is one, even if I'm not watching the X-Men movies as a franchise, I enjoy just popping it in as a one-off. Mm -hmm. It's a great character piece. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than if you've got Disney Plus, they've got a great 4K transfer of this film. Um, the HDR really pops, especially if you've got a new 4K TV to try out. Um, the sound mix is awesome. Uh, the visual effects are a little bit dated because it's 11 years old. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. Yeah. So, uh, that's all for this week. Next week, we will be talking about 2014's X-Men Days of Future Past. Um... Again, it's probably my favorite X-Men movie, uh, at least until a new one comes out that I like more. I will try to pay attention. Yeah, you, you, when I turn it on, I will say, hey, we're watching this. Yeah. But, um, yeah, welcome to 2022. I hope we keep you company on your commute or while you're doing laundry or while you're pooping or... <laughs> Other places that you watch podcasts or listen to podcasts. If you're watching your phone during this, tell me what I'm doing right now. Tell me what I'm doing. Tell me what I'm doing. You freaked out the we're cat. We're not a video <laughs> podcast, so you don't know what I'm doing. Other than it was more physically active than what I was doing before. Yeah. So, um, guys, thank you so much for joining us in the new year. Uh, I hope 2022 has started well for you. I hope it ends even better. Uh, we will be with you next week with X-Men Days of Future Past. Have a great week. Bye.